What is the gospel? We ask the question because there's an incredible amount of confusion these days, even amongst some people who call themselves Christians. When we talk about being saved, which is a core part of what the gospel message is all about, we often talk about what we are saved from. Most people would agree that we are eternal beings and would agree, albeit the details would be different, that we spend eternity after we die in either heaven or hell. So effectively, when we talk about being saved, we talk about being saved from hell. But the good news is infinitely more wonderful than this. As Christians, not only do we have the reality of knowing what we are saved from, but we also know whom we are saved to. We are saved as children of God, designed to be in direct relationship with the creator of the universe for all of eternity. Just let that sink in. We mentioned at the beginning that there's a lot of confusion when it comes to the gospel. Greg Gilbert, who authored a book called What is the Gospel, says that from his research, if you were to ask 100 Christians to explain the gospel to you, you're going to get between 60 to 70 different answers. We live in a postmodern world, so you might be listening to that thinking, well that's alright, the gospel can mean whatever you want it to mean buddy, good for you. But that's completely wrong, and it's so dangerous. The Christian gospel message has eternal consequences, and it's the only thing that will affect the outcome of where you spend eternity. So with that in mind, there really isn't any question that we'd want to be more clear about. For Christians, the Bible is our authority. And just like the Bible warns us, we have to test everything against scripture. Because even within Christianity, there are many false teachers just like we were warned about. These false teachers try and lead people astray by distorting the gospel message. Many of these distortions include things like the prosperity gospel. This is a type of teaching that Jesus died for you to live a wealthy, healthy, trouble-free life. And unfortunately, this teaching is rife in the church today. Many of the authors in the best-selling Christian charts are peddling this form of false teaching, tickling people's ears just like the Bible warned. Then you have legalism. This is a type of teaching that you can somehow earn your salvation through good work. And it's something that we have to be so careful of that when we become Christians, we don't slip into it. It's possible to start off in grace and then change horses mid-race, forgetting that all of salvation is an act of God's grace. You've got antinomianism. This means anti-law. And it's a form of hyper-grace. It's a type of belief that has the believer thinking that because they have made a confession of faith, that they can now live however they wish with no eternal consequence. Paul addresses this in Romans 6 when he says, Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Let's be clear, this isn't the sort of thinking that would be consistent with what scripture tells us about what following Jesus involves. All of these are distortions of the real Christian gospel message. We have to remember that the world and all of its other false religions operate on a works-based salvation. This means that they believe it's possible to somehow earn your way into heaven by being a good person or at the very least have more good deeds than bad deeds and at the end of one's life have these measured out on the scales and hope that our good deeds outweigh the bad. This isn't biblical and it's just an outright lie and let's be honest, when you think about it, it doesn't even make any sense. If you were in court being charged for murder, your defence lawyer would not stand up there and try and defend you by saying, well, Judge, he, he has a direct debit set up for the Catch Protection League and he also puts in a tin of baked beans in the food bank at Sainsbury's when he does his weekly shop. It's ludicrous. Your good deeds count for nothing. The Bible is clear. There is only one way to be saved and it is through having exclusive faith in Jesus Christ. Not whilst believing in Jesus whilst hedging your bets and living the perfect life and having a load of other idols or gods in your life. It's Jesus Christ full stop. Even in some Christian denominations and churches, it has become faith plus something else. First you put your faith in Jesus, and then you have to do these religious things to keep in God's good books. 
Again, this is called legalism that we spoke about earlier, and it's not the gospel. You may remember Paul wrote a letter to a group of churches in Turkey 2,000 years ago and he was astonished how quickly they departed from the correct understanding of the gospel because they were trying to add circumcision to the gospel. Another work. As Christians, we love Jesus and we also love other people and out of that love, we need his message to be crystal clear. And the only way for us to know this is to seek what God tells us about what the gospel message is through his word, the Bible. The gospel actually means good news. So, before the good news, you better know the bad news. Every single one of us are sinners. Sin simply means wide of the mark. So this means that we have fallen short of the standard that a holy, righteous, perfect God demands. We have all lied. We have all stolen something. We have blasphemed his holy name. We are adulterers and murderers at heart. We've all broken his laws. Jesus teaches about this in the Sermon on the Mount, which you can read about in Matthew chapter 5. And the wages of this sin is death. And the Bible talks about this place as an eternal hell. Now, some people may be offended at this and say, how dare you? You don't know my life. Because in today's age, we can easily look past our own falling short and think of people like Adolf Hitler as sinners. But the Bible clearly teaches us two key things in relation to this. God, the creator of this universe, is holy beyond comprehension. And when we sin, we are actually sinning against him. Think of it this way, if you were to come and track me down here in the UK and come and slap me around the face, what would the consequence be? Very little. The police, even if they came out to investigate, they wouldn't press charges because, in all honesty, they're too busy. If you were to take things up a level and was to hit a police officer, what would happen? Now you would be in trouble. The police definitely would investigate and you're most likely going to get arrested. But now let's take things to the extreme. Let's say that you came to England and you was to strike the Queen. What would happen? Well, for starters, you're probably going to get shot. But even if you wasn't, the punishment would be huge. Can you see, even with this silly illustration, the action was the same. But the person as to whom it was against makes a huge difference. Just like in this illustration, we would expect a just country to charge the criminal that struck the Queen. It would be an injustice for the courts to just turn a blind eye and not seek justice. Well, when we sin, we are sinning against a just, holy God, whom is infinitely more important than the Queen. He created the Queen. He created me and he created you. And his intention was for us to live perfect lives in a perfect creation, glorifying him with all of our days. You see, what this means is that you and I are left with a debt, a price too high that we just simply cannot pay. But there is good news. There is wonderful news, a free gift through God's amazing grace. God has made a plan to pay this debt on your behalf. You see, God loves you and he made a way for you to escape the penalty of your sin. So through his amazing grace, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, fully God, fully human, to come and live a life here on earth on our behalf that we couldn't live. A perfect life without sin. He is the lamb without blemish. He, then at the end of his life, he paid the price by being executed on a cross for sins that he didn't do before being resurrected three days later. And here is the gospel. Jesus Christ offers you his perfect life in substitute for your sinful life. You see, he paid your debt. It's a gift. Please listen to this carefully. If you have not received this gift and just kind of half understood this before it or, you know, thought, yeah, yeah, I'll do it later. Stop what you're doing 
and run to Christ. Your life can be taken from you in any second. It's by the grace of God that I even get to finish this sentence. In Romans chapter 10, the Apostle Paul writes, If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. This is it. This is how you receive the gift. The most valuable gift in the world. The only gift that will matter on the last day. By believing in Jesus for our salvation, we are forgiven for all of our sins. There are no longer charges against us. He counts us as righteous. We are no longer condemned for there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ. And when we do this, we get to live the rest of our lives here on earth filled with God's Holy Spirit. With a new heart and new desires and to live a life as a Christian following Jesus to the glory of our Saviour, forever reconciled to God the Father through the blood of Jesus Christ.